Hi, this is Patty, and thank you for listening to this previously recorded episode of GalaxyCon Live. We'd also like to invite you to check out our other shows, Rock Around the Ring, featuring music and wrestling guests, and GalaxyCon Talks Comics, all of which are available now on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere else fine podcasts are available. So without further ado, let's beam them up. Our first guest is an actress whose roles include Dark Angel, Torchwood, and Family Guy. Today, she joins us to discuss her role as Colonel Kira Norees. Please welcome back to the GalaxyCon virtual stage, Nana Visitor. Hi, Patty. Hey, Nana, how are you? I'm really good. So good You're to doing see well? you again. Good uh, to see you. I am well here in Orlando. Uh, the two hurricanes kind of sidelined us. So uh, I, but we're still in season, but for a Floridian, this is, this is, this is what, this is what you deal with. <laughs> good Lord. Stay safe. Absolutely. Well, I have plenty of hot sauce uh, recipes that I've just heard about. <laughs> going to be looking into. So <laughs> we may get more into that. Uh, our next guest is an actor whose body of work Dirty Harry, Charlie Barrett, and Hellraiser. Today he joins us to talk about his role as the former member of the Cardassian Obsidian Order, a humble tailor, Elam Garrick. Please welcome Andrew Robinson. Hi, Patty. How you doing? I am so good, Andrew. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm not in hurricanes or anything, you know, just heat waves and forest fires. I, I just, you know, it's... Something about other coasts. We got we got a lot of advantages, and then there's downsides. That always, <laughs> absolutely. Now uh, you had uh, showed us a little friend before, so let me just get it out of the way and, oh, and show you. Oh, little... you want me to show you my little friend? Show yeah. you little friend. This is from a Scottish fan who you know celebrated Garrick as the tailor, and and I, I rather love this guy. He's you know really sweet, and he did a great job with the sewing machine. It's, it's That's amazing. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a classic, classic singer that that just, my know. my mother had and still has right. one of those. So I think he even even put the fit foot control on it. So that's yeah, that's nice. right. <laughs> you notice that? Good guys. Well, I tried. <laughs> Our next guest, she is an actress and singer whose credits include The Flash, Fist of the North Star, and Pandora. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of former Dabo girl turned first lady of the Ferengi Alliance, Lita. Please welcome Chase Masterson. Hey, Patty, thank you so much. It's great to see you. And hi, Nana and Andy and everybody. Hey. How are you? Well, we are, we are so glad to have you here at the GalaxyCon virtual stage. How are you doing? Great, holding up. You know, um, grateful that I'm in a situation where, uh, where I'm safe and hoping that everyone else out there is too. Absolutely, absolutely. Now it looks like your signal is broadcasting from the, the Delta Quadrant through the wormholes. So, uh, like I said, but we're going to make make through with it. The important thing is, is that we can hear you. Thank you. I hope so. Yes, All right absolutely. then. So we will we will get through this. No problem. It's raining Our, it's raining. That's probably why. So. <laughs> Our next guest is an actor whose body of work includes Beauty and the Beast, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and author of the Merchant Prince series. Today, he joins us to discuss the role of the owner of Quark's Bar, Grill, Gaming House, and Hollow Sweet Arcade. Please welcome back to the GalaxyCon virtual stage, Armin Shimmerin. Hi there. How are you doing, Patty? Hello, everybody. Hi. Hey. Great, sir. How are you holding up? I'm, I'm holding this up, actually. I've got the same thing that Andy has. Uh, made, made for me by one of the artisans in the Noise Within the Theater in Los Angeles. Wow. Wonderful. Isn't that great? She did great work. Great work. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
as as you certainly did as well, but we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, our next guest, she is an actress and model whose work includes Back to School, Paper Dolls, and Becker. Today, she joins us to discuss the role of Lieutenant Commander Jazdia Dax. Please welcome Terry Farrell, a.k.a. Miss Nimoy. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey. Hey, Nana, Andy, hey, Armin. Oh, my God. Like, what, a day? <laughs> Hi, Patty. Nice to see you. Good to see you again. How are you holding up? Actually, really good. Really good, surprisingly. I mean, there's peaks and valleys through this whole COVID thing, but it's sunny and really nice today. So that helps. Yeah. Well, and any good day is a great day nowadays. It's true. <laughs> And finally, he is an actor and director whose body of work includes Game of Thrones, Gotham, and The Spy. Today he joins us to talk about the role of Dr. Julian Bashir. Please welcome back to the GalaxyCon virtual stage, Alexander Sitting. Hi, thank you very much, Patty. Lovely introduction. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Uh, good to see you, sir. How are you holding up in your corner of the world? Very well, thank you. Um, uh, given uh, the situation in everyone's corner of the world, uh, the weather's lovely, which is makes me happy every day. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so happy to have you all here on our virtual stage. Um, as always, uh, we miss having you in person and we look forward to the day when uh, we can go back to our physical shows and putting you on our stages back in front of your fans. But until this day, we have this forum. And right now our team is going through a chat room and pulling out questions. In the meantime, I would love to hear how Deep Space Nine began for each of you. I asked you some of that before. We have some new faces here. I'd like to hear their stories. So, uh, Nana, why don't you start us off? It started with a script being delivered during the very busy pilot season, and it was thick. It was huge. And I read it, and it was Major Kira, and I, I read it, and I went, eh, you know, you made a mistake. This is, this is a man's role. This, it's not from, And they went, no, it isn't. It's, it's, they want a female. And I just, you know, all my focus just went, whoom. I loved this role. I wanted it so badly. I'd given birth three months before, so uh, it was an effort to get myself physically there. But and then it was quick. It was a couple of auditions, and and boom, life changed. Life changed. It certainly did. Yep. <laughs> uh, Andrew, how about you? Yeah, you know, no, no, it's so true. I mean, I've never had a role where everything in my life just went upside down and i and i and 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 after you know i i started out auditioning for odo which you know i've told the story many times didn't get it the right guy got it and but i had to go in many times it was a pain in the ass process i think i went <laughs> in three times and then you know when i didn't get it then they came back and said can you come in and read for a role and i thought oh jesus i you know i just i was in there i i camped out in your your waiting room for for weeks so I, I didn't want to go. And Irene made me go. And uh, and what was that? Somebody screamed. It's quick. Anyway, it's it's my oh. neighborhood. People are constantly screaming in my neighborhoods, you know. But yeah, <laughs> then I got this role and, and, and it really did. It changed my life. It changed my career, changed everything. Absolutely, absolutely. And Chase, how did this begin for you? I was fairly new in town and didn't know anyone. So I made it a point to do some of these pay to meet showcases. And I had been in a class with Jonathan Del Arco and Garrett Wong. 
And of course, neither Garrett or I were on the show yet, but Jonathan would come to this class and he would tell people about being on Next Gen. And I thought, what a wonderful show that is, first of all. And then he would talk about getting to meet the people that make the show possible in, in the long run, make Star Trek what it is, the fans, and um, or many of them. And I thought, what an incredible show. That's the show I want to be on. So I made it a point to meet Ron Serma in one of these pay-to-meet casting showcases. He called me in for a role, which was opposite Jake, and I didn't get it. But then they wrote the role of Lita for me, and I'm eternally grateful. Um, that's uh, a, a crazy kind of Hollywood story that just doesn't generally happen, but I am so grateful. And you were, uh, you're one of those almost ancillary characters that, that still had a wonderful arc and still sort of built up. Did they sort of give you any indication of that up front that, uh, we have plans for her or was it just, okay. Well no, I thought it was just those four lines in one episode where Lita was flirting with Bashir or not really flirting, but smarter than flirting actually saying, you know, I'd like to see you. <laughs> and I uh, I didn't know that I was going to have any more episodes. I just thought it was that one episode until they called me for wardrobe for facets. And I, I got to play one of Dax's hosts. So it was uh, it was really an interesting trajectory there. And then with Bar Association, it seemed that they were forming an arc. And it was during Bar Association that they decided Lita and Ron would get together. So, uh. Very nice, very nice. And uh, speaking of flirts, uh, Sid, uh, how'd this begin for you? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, I'm not sure how to take that. But, uh, uh, you're, you're, your character, your character, your character. <laughs> the hopelessly unsuccessful flirt. And he, he was. God bless him. Um, it was very simple. Uh, my agent called me I, um, and said, um, "There's a. do you want to do an episode, you know, some Star Trek? And um, I thought, well, yeah, sure. And it was a very easy audition because as far as I remember it, all I had to say was no. Um, and I just listened to the other person talk, um, which was Nerese uh, in, in my audition. And um, so I went along to the casting and said no, as well as I could. Uh, and um, then they called back and said, um, You're, they want you in America to go and audition there. And I went, Okay, and they got me a you know not quite business class, but the one below business class ticket, um, okay. and that was a total novel novelty in my life. So I went to America and I said no again, and uh, <laughs> oh, you knew how to play it, baby. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> hard to get, hard to get. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so, <laughs> sometimes it's one. I wish I had no. known that. Oh my god. Uh, that, that, that no got you a lot of yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we all know, for actors, listening is one of the biggest things that you can do well or not well. And to listen well, I mean, you really can tell the grit of an actor from that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. You see? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Terry, how about you? I talked all the time. I didn't listen at all. <laughs> 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 no, it's true. <laughs> I actually got that same pilot season, got the uh, part of the cat in Red Door, and then that didn't go. 
And by the end of the very end of their filming of um, the pilot of Deep Space, they still hadn't cast the character of Dax. So I read for it several times and uh, I, I, I got it and I couldn't believe I got it. I just, uh, it, it too turned, I, I lost 10 pounds during the process of it. I, my whole life was upside down. I ran lines with Marina Sirtis. I, I just, I wanted it so badly. And I, I felt like I was doing sweat. I was so nervous during the whole process. Um, on top of the fact that it was summer and just ridiculously hot in Los Angeles. Anyway, I went down to the set to visit Marina and Michael and Jonathan Frakes. And Jonathan Frakes and I had done paper dolls together in 84. That was my first job. And so uh, when I got down to say hi to them at Planet Hell, uh, a, a golf cart came up to me and and i was dressed like you know uh a 1998 version of a six foot tall madonna i had on a like a corset and you know big fake boobs and my hair was out to because marina helped dress me and uh <laughs> they called me up to the office and they said uh and i thought oh my god they're gonna make me read again i can't do it and they said and you've got it and then i just started crying i was just like oh my god i cannot believe i'm on star trek I, it was my favorite show when I was like six. So yeah, it kind of blew my mind. And I don't think we, I slept the first year. I, I was so uh, overwhelmed by all of it. And um, yeah, it changed my life for sure. And I'm always trying to be more like Dax. <laughs> uh, out of curiosity, how much at the beginning, uh, uh, what was it like trying to decide the, since the character was the fusion of two characters, uh, what was it like trying to fi uh, find that balance? Well, the the truth was they didn't really know what they wanted exactly. I mean, the, the last note I got was, we want you to be like Grace Kelly and Yoda. And that was probably the funniest one they said that stood out to me. But they gave me so many notes I felt painted into a corner. And I worked with an acting coach because <laughs> I'm sure they could see that they totally confused me. And, um, and she was like, just, you're on the right track. What you really need is someone to run lines with you and just play within the scene, not try to, don't worry about Yoda. Don't worry about Grace Kelly. Just play within the scene <laughs> and uh, <laughs> remarkable note. Yeah. yeah. And that helped. It just helped everything make sense. And then they started to know what to write for. Everything was slow. And there were so many of us. It wasn't like uh, there weren't enough storylines or enough actors to try to you know, uh, define and explain. And, you know, it wasn't like all the weight was on my shoulders. So that helped. <laughs> well, to your absolute credit, you found the balance and you found the tone. And from that, obviously on the writing side of it, they, they had a North star to write your character towards. Oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. And then they gave me so many cool things to do. Oh, I was yeah. really lucky. Yeah, they did. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. So Armin, uh, this begin for you technically maybe back in the next gen, uh, next gen days. It did start on TNG. I started out, uh, I heard a number of people say that uh, they auditioned for things and didn't get it. Unfortunately for me, I auditioned for something and did get it. And that was the original Ferengi on TNG. And the only reason why it was unfortunate is because my performance was God awful. And I spent most of Deep Space Nine trying to eradicate that performance from everyone's mind uh, <laughs> for the seven years that I was on Deep Space Nine. Um, 
I didn't get the note about Grace Kelly, Terry. <laughs> but I got some other notes. Um, mainly on TNG, I used what uh, Berman called a voice. And in that first episode, uh, I said, in a, what did I say? Uh, I, love a, I love a woman in uniform, which was the voice I used on TNG. One of the things that made that performance so incredibly bad. And Berman said to me, lose the voice. So if you ever see the first episode of Deep Space Nine, you'll see that Quark has a different voice than he does on all the episodes that follow it. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, last time, I, I really enjoyed the story you shared with us about how you, you actually sat down early on with the writers and asked, how smart is this character to sort of get inside the head to figure out how cunning or how conniving he, he was? Yeah, I, I was always uncertain about, how, you know, Terry was mentioning about notes, and I would have envied the opportunity to have gotten as many notes as she did. Uh, I did have a teacher as well. Her name is Kitty Swink, and uh, she worked with me day in and day out. But I was never sure where this character fell in the IQ spectrum, uh, and I was always asking, how smart is he? Because if we had a Quark episode, he'd be very smart. And if we were having uh, a Kira episode, he was very dumb. So um, I, I didn't know where he fell. Eventually, like the others found out, we all got wonderful stories that we got to work on and uh, you know put our best talents to. Absolutely. And I, I think over the successful seasons, there's a run. It definitely showed this to you. And again, as a Star Trek fan, Thank you, all of you, for your contributions to this series, and and it, re it really resonates in fandom. And you guys knocked it out of the park as as actors that are maybe creatively behind the scene. It's you created a legacy. That well, we couldn't have done anything without the writers. Mm -hmm. We are the mouthpieces for the writers, and and the stories and the, and the dialogue that the writers came up with were just extraordinary. We're very lucky to have the writing team that we had. Absolutely. And and it never veer it never became non-Star Trekky. It pushed the it pushed the envelope. But it was just, <laughs> no, but it but it, uh, I, I it, it they right. pushed the envelope of the war and stuff, but it never lost sight of Roddenberry's vision of a mm -hmm. better tomorrow and and how it was how it could be fragile and how to how it had to be earned and built for. So so oh uh, we got questions for our mm -hmm. audience. So let's go ahead and roll our first one. And this comes from Sandra, who wants to know. Ah, did you pick up any new skills during the <laughs> And I'll, I'll expand this out for or did you revisit any old skills or hobbies? Andrew, why don't you start us off? Oh, I, yeah, I'm sorry. God, you would have to. You know, uh, listen, this is the thing about this, this, this whole thing. I've been, I've been struggling with this and I've been struggling with this whole, you know, pandemic and the sequestration in a way that that surprised me. I didn't think I was struggling with it. And uh, you know, I but but the stress of of what's going on on all levels and being at my age, Irene and I both being sort of like on the elder side of things. It's 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 been hard it's been hard for me to focus and to concentrate. I thought I'd get a lot of writing done and uh, and I actually had started something. I thought oh this is going to be great. I'm going to just just breeze through this like you know, shit through a goose, and uh, and it just it just and you know and and I, I and I and even reading. I mean, I did get through some great books, you know, but very few of them. I thought I'd 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 finish a stack of at least thirty, you know, by now, but I haven't. So it's been tough. It's been tough. 
new skills. And I, 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 but I will say there is a new skill that I'm learning. I'm, I'm kind of learning. Uh, I'm a little bit of patience. I'm moving slower. I am kind of <laughs> thinking before I shoot my mouth off. And, uh, and, and I think in a way I'm becoming a kinder person, a little more empathetic and a little more understanding, especially in terms of Black Lives Matter. I, you know, I had an experience with, uh, with former students at USC, uh, students of color, and it was an eye opener for me. So this is, so it, that's been worth it all. All right, outstanding. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Chase, how about you? I'm grateful to have had a lot to work on during the pandemic. And again, grateful to be safe. In March, I realized the incredible mental health toll that this was going to take on people worldwide. So in 2013, I founded Pop Culture Hero Coalition, which teaches mental health and ending bullying, racism, misogyny, LGBTQ plus bullying, and other forms of hate. And that's tied into mental health. So in March, when I realized that this was going to be a second pandemic of mental health issues, depression, anxiety, loneliness, fear, I gathered our team and we said, let's take the work that we do in schools and adapt it for people at home. So we created the Heroic Journey at Home. The, the program in schools is called the Heroic Journey. This is the Heroic Journey at Home, Mental Health During COVID-19. And it has some incredible exercises and lesson plans and coping skills, basically, called Resilience is My Superpower. And when social distancing becomes social isolation and managing family conflict. And then it goes into work on identity and what forms a healthy identity versus the, the kind of things that we let get inside us like shame and fear. And so I'm really grateful that we were able to put this out beginning in March. It actually happened very quickly, came out in April and we've translated it now into Spanish, German and Italian because obviously the, the pandemic is affecting people everywhere. And uh, we've also created a series of videos including done some work creating mental health for YMCA uh, with Dr. Rita Walker, who is the head of, uh, I'm sorry, she's the author of The Unapologetic Guide to Black Mental Health, which addresses the Black Lives Matter movement and how Black communities can have mental health during this yeah. incredibly difficult time. So it's been busy. Chase, thank you. I, 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 seriously, thank you for, for, for spending time and devoting yourself to uh, such a great cause. Thank you. Well, I want to thank our team because we have an incredible team and people here have been, you guys, our, our cast has been so beautifully supportive. Terry, you carry our flag so highly and this is for, for mental health and justice and Nanai, everybody had been so beautiful to do this t-shirt campaign we have. And I just want to say it really does take a village to make this kind of justice and empathy happen. And uh, what's uh, how how we learn more about this? What's the website? Thank you. I don't mean to go on, but it's no, no, no. Popculturehero.org, and we're at superhero IRL on social media. Thank you, thank you very much. So, oh, so Sid, how about you? Uh, what kind of new skills have you picked up? Now we know we, <laughs> we know you we know you've been playing with your, your smoker, flirting, flirting, yeah. flirting. I've, I've uh, yeah, I, I've, I, my wife thinks I should flirt more. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, no. I, with her. With her. <laughs> really, I hope so. <laughs> It's, uh, it's, I'm a bit like Andy, you know, I, I, if, I, if I picked up anything, it's a, a slightly deeper understanding of what's going on and, and, and what I'm not very good at, what I haven't been very good at, um, by talking to lots of people. So I've been lucky enough to talk to lots of people and um, I'm a bit closer to understanding how to not just empathize with a bunch of people I've never really get paid a second thought to uh, in the various different neural, neurally diverse communities. Um, but uh, I've actually had to talk to them and um, remember what their personal pronoun is and things like that, which uh, people are, are quite right to be serious about. And it's just unusual for me because I'm of an age that I just didn't grow up having in, you know, just him, her, that was it. There were gay guys or queers, as they were called back in the 60s and 70s. And now I, I'm, my horizon has expanded enormously and um, I'm I'm, because I'm directly talking to people of all different stripes um, and that's been a real privilege awesome thank you for sharing that so terry how about you oh wow actually i thought i was handling it really well too and i found that i was kind of micro cleaning the house and i suddenly started like making everything from scratch the plus side to that is I learned how to make sourdough, which there's definitely a learning curve to. And Nana has been my it, guinea pig. It is unbelievable bread. She wow. is, she could go into the business. Wow. It's so good. <laughs> and hey. coming from Nana, you guys all know that's huge. <laughs> it's I like great. I like a good sourdough. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. the hot fudge sauce, that's another really? winner. Oh, oh winner. yay. Yeah. Yay. You're, you're an incredible cook. Thank you. Mm. Okay. <laughs> what, <laughs> what I'm learning though, besides I have, have way too much time to do lots of therapy, is to slow down. My natural uh, way of moving through the world is like an energizer bunny. I go, 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 go until I drop. And I'm learning to take much better care of myself. I'm learning to stick up for myself, even in terms of just asking for help around the house. And uh, that's something that used to be really scary for me. I know that must sound really crazy coming from someone who played Dax, but it's been a very interesting and, and transformative time. And actually, Nana has been super supportive of me. And I don't want to get too choked up, but I don't know how I would do it without her support because she is such a great example of someone who's taken the journey herself and she's helping me so much. And I have a great team of people helping me too, but that has been my mental health, putting it in action to slow down. When I start to feel like I'm spinning and I'm doing too much, stop, go outside, just take a minute you know, meditate. So I'm trying to put all of those things into action. And um, I really, at first I was thinking, oh no, if this only lasts three months, I don't think it's enough time for me to change to, oh my God, this is never going to end. To <laughs> slow down, <laughs> slow down one day at a time. But it's just interesting, this journey of COVID and the pandemic and gratefully, honestly, all this stuff happening with Black Lives Matter, it's something that has been in my family for a very long time. I have a mixed race family. I also have a mixed uh, gender identity family. So I feel very blessed that those things feel quite normal to me. When my niece was young, I, I got people treating me differently because they thought she was my daughter. And 
it made me very protective and super angry about it. So getting to play the wife of Dax playing the wife of Worf felt very much like I was honoring my family in that situation. So that was like such a great thing. But in terms of that, still, all of this has made me realize I'm still in a bubble. I don't have to think about voting. I don't have to think about if people are looking at me like my credit card's not going to go through because if something happens, no one says, looks at me. I don't feel shame about it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Let me try a different one. I don't have anyone treating me like I'm less than. And so, yeah, it's just a, another way to consider that we have to stand up for people and really make a difference that we're all equal and none of us are equal until we're all equal. And we have to shut down people that divide us. Very well said. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Armin, how about you? Before I answer that question, yeah. Terry, that was one of the wisest things I've ever heard. Not only from you, but from me. Thank you. For me, actually, yeah, that's, yeah. I'm growing up, Armin, slowly but surely. Uh, that, I, I wish, I wish everybody had heard that around the world. That was oh. really quite quite. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, for myself, I am living in a bubble, as, as Terry mentioned earlier. Um, I've been very lucky. I have a lot of projects that keep me very busy. I, I rarely even notice at times that the, that uh, I have to stay at home because I want to stay at home. Um, I've been writing. I've been teaching. I've been uh, keeping our theater open, uh, helping Kitty with that. And uh, also, bizarrely enough, after 27 years, I'm actually using my pool uh, to swim in. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, but the understanding... <laughs> Of what how I am, and I can't put into words the way Terry just did. The understanding of that has been a revelation. I always knew I was lucky, but I, but I'm every day when I watch the news, and I do a lot of that now. I watch the news a great deal, and all kinds of news, not just uh, MSNBC, but also Fox, to keep in touch with what everybody is saying. And it is, um, it is a learning process for all of us as we as we face this new uh, reality. Uh, as science fiction actors, we were constantly asked to face a new reality, but now as, as human beings, we have to do it for real. Agreed, mm. agreed. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Nana, wanna bring us home? Sure, uh. um, <laughs> I, I knew new things. So I toggle between a few things. I like to groom my standard poodles into different shapes. <laughs> Some people <laughs> might find that offensive to the dogs. I believe they love it. Um, I strongly believe they like being turned into lions and ponies sometimes and other shapes others. Uh, but it oh is, my it God. Is, <laughs> it's a bonding experience for them. Uh, so I do that. I have at least three neuro. I'm fascinated by neuroscience. I'm fascinated by what we've just learned about how our brains work. So I've usually got three books. I have three books right now that I'm going through and I take notes and I study and it's just my own little study course. Uh, I took the Yale course, which I, I really recommend to people uh, that's free online uh it's it's uh the basically the neuroscience of happiness and that was a great experience and i i got a ballet bar and i put it on my wall 
And of course, I, for 25, 30 years, I studied with my mother. I studied ballet with my mother. And so it, it's in my brain so heavily. And this is the first time I've done this in all these years, but I've gone back to the discipline of the ballet bar. And it's amazing because it's almost like a, a meditation where I hear my mother's corrections to me. It, it, there were so many days, so many, you know, five days a week, so many years of taking class with her. I can hear her and it's become a meditation and a way for me to connect to my body, but also this woman that I adored, this teacher who was so important to me. And I, and I share that time with her. I hear her voice very clearly. Uh, and, and I listen to it. It's like, no, feel the string on top of your head. Uh, you know, all the things that she used to tell me. So uh, I'm doing that too. So a little mm. bit of everything. Uh, indeed, certainly is. Sandra, thank you. That's a great question to start us off with. And I'll ask for another question. And this comes from number one Trek fan, who is a dear friend of ours. She comes to all of our Trek panels. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do with each other when you get together? Hmm. I can answer that really very quickly for me anyway. Is Go catch, ahead. As we're doing now to catch up. When I get together with uh, all my friends and peers from, from Star Trek, catching up, finding out what they're doing, just listening to what I've just heard in the last 20 minutes, that's my favorite thing that I do. That's it. That's really it. Sid flirt. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is my favorite thing to do. A favorite. Favorite bar none. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I created a meme about you. My bad. <laughs> Uh, oh my god <laughs> uh whatever one trek fan that is that is, yeah that works all right let's roll another one and this comes from uh swear engine uh what's your most memorable performance and i this this i will this expands to anything in your in your repertoire please say uh sid why don't you go first it's difficult to state your own memorable performance because it's, it's <laughs> it is. It's, it's well, what, what, uh, not, not necessarily like the best, but maybe just one that you you just yeah I've, you, you I've, felt I've you felt you feel good about or something crazy or, or wonderful happened. Second job, my first job on screen is a television show called The Big Battalions, many many moons ago in '91, uh, I think. And what was memorable about it was I we shot in Jerusalem and in Mecca. And I got the job because I have a Muslim name and that allows me access to Mecca and they needed to, uh, someone to go there. So, um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I remember shooting on top of the wailing wall in Jerusalem, looking down at the people praying below me. I was sitting on there with my legs dangling off it uh, and doing a scene. And I remember being in Mecca uh, just after, just during the, the Russian invasion of Afghanistan with all these Mujahideen there with, um, wow bandoliers of bullets and I was petrified and, um, and we had to shave all the hair on our body just to so, show that we were in earnest doing this thing called Umrah which uh, was, uh, which was a, a mini Hajj if you like a mini uh, a version of Hajj and uh, that's my most still to this day my most memorable job. Oh, may wow. I may I may I say something our son Django just the other day was talking about your performance at the Old Globe that he saw. 
And he mm -hmm. said how blown away he was by your performance. Oh. So, uh, Shit, what did you do at the Old Globe? We did a new play called, what was it called? I can't remember, but I played uh, uh, Salahdin. And it was a, a, you know, a live piece, obviously. Um, and it spanned a couple of hundred years about the Crusades and what they mean politically. Wow. And, uh, when I, did you do this? When, when did oh you my do gosh. This is a while ago. Yeah, to about five, six years Be ago. Because Max and Brian and I were there and we were going to come by and see you. You were rehearsing. I was, was there for amazing. the London Film and Comic Con and you were rehearsing. It was an amazing uh, uh, um, experience working in the Globe mm. Theatre because, as you know, they, they recreated it to be exactly the same as Shakespeare's with no yeah. uh, lighting, no, no gadgetry. And there is one spot on stage. You have to be very careful. As you turn around, you have to start speaking louder so that people can hear you, which is a normal stage technique. But this is particularly pronounced. But there is a sweet spot right in the middle of the front of the stage where you can just whisper as quietly as you like and all six, seven hundred people can hear you. It's mm. just... Wow. Wow. No. And oh. That was this spot. That was... I kept aiming for that. <laughs> I would push people off that spot to get to that spot. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Terry, how about you? Oh, my gosh. Most memorable. That's such a hard question not to think about. Ah, uh, I can come back to you if you want. Think. I don't know if I'll have a better answer. Uh, <laughs> me. Uh, now that we're like, just one thought came to my mind. Do you remember when we did? Okay, it's not. It's been a Star Trek. Um, Sid, when we had to kiss each other, I remember like we were already friends by then, and it was like, oh no, now we know each other. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. We had to talk about it a lot. I know, and then, I know, right? And then, well, not that it was bad. Well, the non knows. But, <laughs> but I can't remember if I fell off the bed or if you fell off the bed. I mean, like impossibly small Star Trek beds where, you know, oh, yeah. it's not even comfortable for one person. Yeah. I fell off the bed. You and fell off the bed. Off. Yeah, it was the most yeah. thing I could have done at the moment. So romantic. And then they were like, we have to do it again. You guys are doing this on purpose. They were like, no, we're not. See, actors have to have these discussions about what, because they, they often have, have to kiss each other or something intimate. And you have to go. I just so funny. Terry, you, you do that. You do that to directors, don't you? You know, I remember working with you and Michael. And you know, and you all you had to do was kiss to end the scene, and you guys wouldn't kiss. <laughs> I agree. I think you bring this up every time, but you know what? It turns around being all about you, Andy. No, but I I wasn't going to mention until you know you brought this one up. I never was going to mention again, and I never will again. <laughs> never will again. Oh my gosh! But I don't even remember this moment. Why wouldn't Michael and I just kiss then? That's so weird. I don't know. Maybe you I, I only remember giving you a hard time. No, because I got my ass kicked by you know the the, the powers that be. You know. Uh, oh. Yeah, because you know, I mean, Iris says it's a love story. It's a love story. People kiss at the end of a love story. It's a love, oh. different kind of love story. Well, if you know, it was probably Michael. It always is Michael. <laughs> because usually I do exactly what they tell me to do if it's written down. Yeah. I'm afraid of getting in trouble, but Michael would be the one who'd wait till the lighting was done and everything. And then he'd say, you know, 
<laughs> I don't think I believe this part. And you're like, oh my God, we already rehearsed it. We already, and now we're, what? Now we're having a conversation about it. Do you guys remember that? That's not just me, is it? Do you remember Michael? No, um, I, I, I agree. I totally. Yeah. Thank you. you With Michael Dorn. Rehearsing scenes. <laughs> and, and he would sometimes just go, what's that smell? Oh, it's a smell. <laughs> So bad. So bad. He came from next generation and they had fun on the set and we didn't. Uh, <laughs> we I did know. not. We did not. He arrived and we were exhausted. <laughs> That's true. Oh, wow. Uh, Armin, how about you? Um, well, I've been thinking about it while everyone's been talking. Um, if, if, memory, if memory is about what comes to mind right away, and I will say my most memorable performance is one that Andy directed me in, which was The Birthday Party by Harold Pinter, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Wow. And it was my, um, my first experience with Andy, who was a phenomenal director, not only in TV, but has won all sorts of awards for his directing on stage. This was a stage production, and uh, it was a great part. I was honored to be in it, and... and uh, Andy's direction was superb. I think you won some award for it, didn't you? For the birthday yeah. party? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, Armin, what part did you play in it? I played a man named Goldberg, who uh, was perhaps a tiny bit sim similar to Quark, uh, but much, much more aggressively evil. But at oh. the same time, but also aggressively charming. Yes. Um, I, one of the things that I played in that character that Andy helped me with was to be perhaps as, as charming as I possibly could be. And the audience only thought that that was more icky. And it worked beautifully for that particular. Oh, it was fabulous, Armin. It was fabulous. It really was. Uh, it, that, that, yeah, that, that's, that's what, that is one of my favorite plays. So oh, I, great. I, I would have, I would have loved to have seen that. So awesome. Very awesome. So Nana, how about you? It was quite incredible to be in Chicago on Broadway um, mm -hmm. and to play Roxy Hart. That was, uh, it was yeah. a great time. Really great time. I yeah. saw you do that show 15 times. Oh my God. Wow. Did you really? God, that's love. I loved it every time. That is. Every time. <laughs> now, which house were you in? Which theater were you in? Schubert. The Schubert. Yeah. Wonderful. It's pretty great. Yeah. Great little house. I thought too, Nana, you were phenomenal. Just Thank you so much, it. Chase. Thank Absolutely. you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great show. My God, it's such a great show. It was uh, it was a a wonderful time, and a, I, I, and also very empowering for older women. Very, uh, it, it's just terrific for that. So that I felt so lucky to be able to do that. Do you remember doing oh. it in um, Washington D.C.? Uh, that was incredible. And we went to dinner after you went, you said, with the show finished, and you said, I really feel like oysters. And so we went, as actresses get to do, to a local oyster restaurant. <laughs> uh, and when you walked in, like a, a movie, people got up and clapped you because they'd been to oh. see the show. Uh, I don't remember that. Oh, I wow. I don't remember that. Uh, I remember so drinking classic. champagne with you, but I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Nice. Take it in now. You need to take it in now, Nana. Take in. Um, it's going in. It's going take in. Take it in. Yep. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, Andrew, how about you? Well, I'm going to go. Armin said about the first thing that pops into your mind and this being the most memorable performance. The first thing that popped in my mind when I was a kid, I went to this really cheap movie, movie house to see Singing in the Rain. And I was so blown away by it. I came out of the thing and I was like about 10 years old. And I was I, I was actually singing and, and trying to dance and stuff like that. And before I knew it, these two these two bigger kids grabbed me and threw me down an alley and they started beating the hell out of me. And, you know, it was so shocking. And then I, I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? These, these guys are going to kill me. And so I pretended I went crazy. And so I started going crazy and speaking, I guess, in, in kind of a version of tongues. Wow. And, and there were ash cans throwing around and I scared them away. And, 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 and that was my first memorable performance. <laughs> wow. It's true. Wow. It's right. Wow. I, 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 I absolutely concur. I've, diffuse situations uh some road rage guy came at me a couple of years ago honking his horn following me and i diffused it by acting very juvenile not doing the bird or anything i was like i was literally doing cartoon faces and stuff and then the guy did not know how to process it and he, he drove away so yeah exactly it, it really is there really is if you go low no, and, and also that's so true, Patty, because you people so are into that kind of violence are very there's a very literal mindedness about that kind of violence. Yeah. And if you throw them off that literal track that they're on, it's like it truly does cross their brains. Yeah. Wow. It does not compute and they kind of shamble away. Mm -hmm. That's it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's scary. So Chase, uh, how about you? Well, I got to tell you, it's pretty hard to follow Andy speaking in tongues and Broadway and, <laughs> and you know, Pinter and Terry and Sid falling off a of bed. I mean, <laughs> I think ours is the easiest one, Kate. You know, that's me, me and Sid. Yeah. I'm sure they want to hear more about that one than anything. But um, I did a TED talk in Vienna, Austria last year, and it was about my own hero's journey through incredible depression and pain after a, a horrifying stalking incident that went, the, the ramifications of which went on for many years. And um, I, it talks about my going from there to mentoring ex-gang members at Homeboy Industries and learning about other cultures and empathy and how we are all exactly the same and how we all need the same things and how most of us won the birth lottery and some of us didn't. And it talks about my understanding of, um, of the issue of, of bullying and how uh, bullying is the same, whether it's gang membership or terrorism or office bullying or war and how we truly need the, the dynamics of Star Trek, the, the understandings that Roddenberry laid down of, of IDIC. And it talks about all of that. And then it talks about my founding the coalition. But halfway through the talk, my slides went out. You know, I was the first speaker and there were 1,300 people in this audience. And my slides went out and it, I still had about 12 more minutes of my talk left. 
And so while they fixed the slides, I, I riffed basically in front of 1300 people on this very vulnerable subject. And I got to tell all of the rest of the stories about Homeboy and the kids that stole my heart there and how much we are all alike and just born in different places and having different experiences and how much each life matters and how we all get to be a part of stopping this chronic cycle of hopelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chase, I think that a TED Talk on that subject kind of trumps, I uh, hate the word, but uh, all that jazz. I, no, I'm no, pretty no. sure. You. Right? Oh, you. my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And I saw it. Chase, I saw it. I remember tweeting about seeing it, and you did an amazing job. Thank you. It was just so, you know, wow. You were so authentic and so it was so heartfelt and it was amazing. You made me feel like I was there. You did a really good job. That means the world to me, Terry. Thank you. It's so true, really. And God, Nana's right. TED Talk. It's like, what? Oh, gee. No, we all have we all have our different ways of impacting the world, and I think that's what's so beautiful about all of us together doing all of these things that matter and that speak to audiences in different ways. And it's one of the it is the foremost reason I'm grateful to have been on this show because it is such an incredible platform for justice and for things that matter. Mm -hmm. And um, it's taught me so much and, and you guys and the whole Trek community have taught me so much about this subject. So it was really beautiful to be able to bring all that I've learned and the, the empowerment from, from all of this experience into this real world subject. Oh. And you put it into action. That's, you know, you didn't just talk about it. You put right. it into action. Good, no, you created it. Good for mm -hmm. you. That's Thank huge. You. Thank it's you. Huge. You know, it was post-traumatic growth. And we've all been through trauma and on different levels, different things. And it is wonderful to know that you can come out of it. And I think that would be my, my main thing to say. If, if people out there are, are going through difficult things, you can make it out. You're mm -hmm. strong, you know. So this talk is, is uh, it's called How to Be More Powerful Than You Can Possibly Imagine. And I, I'm grateful that we all get to do that. Yeah. Uh, One day at a time. Bravo, Chase. Bravo. 